Well, Pastor Andy Stanley said that the Ten Commandments don't apply to Christians today. Was he totally in left field in saying that? It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. So, Pastor Andy Stanley, once again in the news because of a column he wrote in Relevant Magazine saying that the Ten Commandments do not apply to Christians today in the same way that, say, the Sermon on the Mount applies. And therefore, we should be emphasizing the new commandment of Jesus to love one another. That's the only commandment he left us. Is is there any truth to that? Is he completely out in left field? Is is this some absolutely bizarre, heretical notion? Well, we'll talk about that today. What's your take? Are the Ten Commandments for Christians today? And if you say yes, do you mean all ten, including the Sabbath commandment? And if you believe that, is it the seventh-day Sabbath, a change to an eighth-day, a Sunday Sabbath? any day of the week, or is it just spiritual? 866-34-TRUTH. This is Michael Brown. Welcome to the line of fire. Okay, I did have surgery done in my mouth today. A couple months back, had a tooth extracted because of problems there, an infection in the bone, etc. So today was the first stage of having an implant put in. And so far, so good. Uh, I'm not bleeding like I was the last time during the show after the tooth extraction. I was actually doing the show like this because I had to keep gauze in my mouth. And so far, no severe pain. Just took like a regular painkiller. I, I don't take those anymore normally. Used to have headaches all the time before my healthy eating. By God's grace, no headaches in four and a half years and counting. Praise God. But all good so far. Yeah, got out of the doctor's office three and a half hours ago, and all good. 866-34-TRUTH is the number to call. I'll tell you about my ongoing dialogue with Pastor Andy Stanley, and in the midst of some differences, what I really appreciate about my brother. Before we get into that, in case you haven't heard, yes, just as we have been saying No surprise here whatsoever. A pastor has lost his job pastoring a church because he openly proclaimed scriptural truth. Yes, here's a headline on the Daily Wire. Pastor loses job after church signs stating homosexuality is still a sin, causes uproar. So here was the sign, the marquee in front of the church. Bruce Jenner is still a man. Homosexuality is still sin. The culture may change. The Bible does not. Now, let me ask you a question. If he posted that five years ago, Bruce Jenner, still a man, people would say, well, what do you mean? He is a man. Just five years ago. Three years ago? He posted it three years ago. If he posted it when Bruce Jenner first said, I believe I'm really a woman, and began to change his name to Caitlin and identify as a woman, Three years ago, 
what level of controversy would that part of the statement have drawn? And then go back 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, homosexuality is still the sin, culture may change, Bible does not. How big a controversy would that have been unless you were in a very, very liberal church that really denied the authority of Scripture? You go back a generation, be less than zero controversy. You say, well, that's the way it was with slavery. No, no, no. There was always controversy in America over slavery. And there was controversy in England over slavery. All right, don't, don't compare the two. There, there were committed Bible-believing Christians. There, there were men like John Wesley in England. There were men like William Wilberforce in England. There were preachers like Charles Finney in America. There were plenty who had deep opposition to slavery. Among the founding fathers, there was opposition. So you can't say, well, the church got that wrong. There was longstanding division. And the Bible itself is a book of liberation for slaves. So what this pastor's sign illustrated was exactly what happened. The culture changed. The Bible didn't. And his church, or the majority of it, went with the culture because of which he lost his job. Now, hang on. The sign was vandalized. That's just wrong. I don't care if it was a sign saying homosexuality is fine. The Bible says so. Of course, that's bogus. But if if there was a sign that said that, you don't vandalize it. I don't hear an uproar about vandalizing it. No, there's an uproar because he had the gall to plainly say what the Bible says. So on his blog... This is, this is what he has to say, because he, he's related what has happened now. He says, as of today, this is January 12th, I'm no longer pastor of Trinity Bible Presbyterian Church. How ironic, Trinity Bible, Trinity Bible Presbyterian Church. After much prayer and counsel, I've decided that it is best to briefly communicate what has taken place. One, I was informed by our other elder that he felt he could no longer follow my lead as pastor of TBPC. Two, I was informed that essentially all but one couple in membership would leave the church if I continued as pastor of TBPC. Three, our other elder and the couple felt that those who left would likely return if I would leave. Four, our other elder was agreeable to stay and assume the pastor responsibilities. Therefore, it was determined that it would be in the best interest of the local body for us, TBPC and the Hoke family. His name is Justin Hoke or Hokey, think Hoke, uh, to part ways. And then an update, uh, as of today, January 14th, I would like to add this. I did not want to leave. I did not quit. And I was willing to stay. So he was fired. He lost his job. However you want to put it, he didn't quit. He was willing to stay. Obviously, he's trying to be conciliatory. But here's my, here's my bigger question. How in the world was he pastoring there at all, holding to biblical beliefs when his whole congregation has rejected them and the elder has rejected them or has at least rejected saying anything about them publicly. Now look, friends, there's a reason we've been raising our voice for years. There's a reason I've been raising my voice since 2004, even before that, but very rarely on this subject. But then God clearly laid it on my heart in 2004, 2005, reach out and resist, reach out to the LGBT community with compassion. And really then the T word was not so prominent reach out to the LGBT community with compassion, resist the agenda, resist their activist agenda with courage. And and what's a fundamental axiom of the LBGT activist agenda? 
that those who came out of the closet want to put us in the closet. Remember, in the early days of gay activism, beginning in the late 1960s, there was gay activism in America before that, but when it really became prominent, beginning with the Stonewall riots in 1969 in June in New York City, when that began, there were two great obstacles to the widespread societal acceptance of homosexual relations and homosexual practice. One, psychology, psychiatry, that said homosexuality was a disorder. It was a sickness. It, it was akin to schizophrenia or, or, or some kind of bipolar issue or things like that. Well, it, it was a mental, emotional disorder. And two, the religious world that said it was a sin. So the dual campaign to say it's not a sickness, it's not a sin. It's not a sickness, it's not a sin. And as a result, there was great success immediately in the world of psychology, psychiatry, beginning in 1983, when the APA depathologized homosexuality and, and said there's no evidence that it's a disorder of any kind and, and people that, that are same-sex attracted are, are living happy and fulfilled lives and, are, and are, are not bothered by this. They're at home with their sexuality, et cetera. And whatever, I'm oversimplifying, obviously. And there was tremendous lobbying pressure and outward pressure and protests and, and all kinds of things, zaps as they were called, to intimidate and to push things, but many psychiatrists, psychologists switch. So you have the American Psychiatric Association and then the other APA, the actually bigger, but often not as influential, the American Psychological Association, both of them and then other organizations, one after another kind of followed suit. So that's all we ever hear. All the major psychological and psychiatric associations say that homosexuality is not a disorder. Well, it was one following the other in, in short. And, and there are many who were involved even from the beginning that say that it was never a scientific consensus on this. But that battle was won. So that leaves one battle to change what society thinks. That's the church. You could say Orthodox Jews as well committed Muslims, but, but they're in the vast minority in the country. And in terms of influencing culture, less influential. But you have the traditional church evangelical Bible-believing Christians, those that would be traditional Catholics, in other words, those that hold to historic, moral, biblical values, even in the midst of our other theological differences. That would be the obstacle to overcome, hence the all-out war that continues to this day, hence the demonizing of conservative Christians, hence the presentation that if you're a conservative Christian leader, you're obviously a hypocrite, you're obviously a bigot, you're obviously homophobic, you're obviously transphobic, you're obviously KKK, you're a racist, you're a secret Nazi, and on and on. Oh, and if you take issue with homosexual practice, that means you're a closeted homosexual. This is the kind of garbage we deal with all the time. Now, many lashing out are lashing out in pain. In other words, they have been hurt by the church, where the church has not reached out in love, where the church has categorized them as if you yourself and your very essence are an abomination, where the church has not had compassion on struggles, where the church is just saying, well, just be celibate, as if you just snap your fingers, and that's the easiest thing to do. Many are responding in anger because of pain, and, and that always hurts me, and I always grieve over that, because instead of drawing people to the cross, we have often pushed people away. But friends, we must be filled with grace and truth, not grace or truth. And true love compels us to speak the truth. Society has changed to the point that a pastor and a professing, quote, 
Bible church loses his job for stating plainly that God created us male and female. Therefore, if Bruce Jenner is a biological and chromosomal male, he remains a male, even if he identifies as Caitlin and has sex change surgery. And for saying homosexuality, meaning homosexual practice, is still a sin. For preaching what the Bible says and announcing that culture changes, not the Bible, he loses his job as pastor of a Bible church. Are you awake now? Are you willing to speak up before it's too late? Speak up while you still have a voice? My pastor friends, how about you? All right, we will be right back. And we'll talk about Andy Stanley and the Ten Commandments and Christians. Stay tuned. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into the Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. All right, so what about Christians and the Ten Commandments? 866-34-TRUTH. There's immediate reaction, headlines all over the Internet from major Christian websites. Pastor Andy Stanley says the Ten Commandments do not apply to Christians today don't put up a monument to them. No, put up, a, if you're going to put up a monument, put up the Sermon on the Mount. Obviously, Sermon on the Mount is a lot longer, three full chapters and, and pretty, pretty long chapters, especially uh, the fifth chapter. Uh, but yeah, he asks, why do Christians want to post the Ten Commandments and not the Sermon on the Mount? I'm all for posting the Sermon on the Mount. I'm all for getting that out. But obviously, there's a lot of outrage and shock especially when we fought so many battles over the Ten Commandments in public, and they play such an important role in American history, being posted in prominent places. And the whole concern about taking the Ten Commandments out of public takes them out of consciousness, etc., and reduces morality in a country. So there, there's obvious outrage to this, but the answer is, is not quite as black and white as you might think. On the one hand, you could say, of course, the Ten Commandments apply. On the other hand, there could be some debate, which we'll get to. What's your take? Just the, the simple question, are the Ten Commandments for Christians today? In which case, what about the Sabbath commandment? What about the Fourth Commandment? Where does that fit in? 866-34-TRUTH. I'm just looking over on my Twitter feed here where I did a poll. I've done this before, but I did this leading into the show today. Let me scroll down. Since the Sabbath commandment is one of the Ten Commandments, do you believe it applies to Christians today? And because I have four options in a Twitter poll, I gave these. Yes, on Saturday. Yes, on Sunday. Yes, but only spiritually. And then no. So I'll tell you how folks voted on that in a moment. All right, so the four choices— does the Sabbath command, which is one of the Ten Commandments, apply to Christians today? I gave four choices. Yes, it applies, but on Saturday. Yes, it applies, but on Sunday. Yes, it applies, but only spiritually. And then no. All right? So uh, interesting responses here. And if you're on my Twitter feed, you can add in your take on that poll. You can call with your thoughts, 866-34-TRUTH. 
I'm going to go to the phones in a moment, and I'm going to read some comments by Pastor Stanley, but I want to be 100% upfront. He asked me some weeks back, a couple months back, actually, at least, uh, would I read his book, Irresistible? He sent me a copy, would I read it? And I told him I would. I believe I took it with me when I went to India, but I didn't read it. I, 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 didn't, re- I didn't crack it open. Everything I did was on e-reader and, and computer and other things. I just, I, I didn't read it. So he is amazingly accessible, okay? He, years ago when we began to dialogue, he gave me his cell phone number and his email, okay? He is, again, amazingly accessible for a pastor as prominent as he is and quite gracious and humble in interaction. And when I wrote an article years ago, some honest questions for Andy Stanley about homosexuality, that's when he first reached out to me on Twitter. He had been reading my articles apparently for a while and started to blast me like, hey, man, would have appreciated if you wrote to me first. And he goes, I'm just messing with you. You know, I'm just messing with you. We began to interact. We interacted on where he stood on different points. I wrote a follow-up article, sent it to him for accuracy, and then put it out. And then, oh, I don't know, year or so after that, I was at a big theology conference in California, and the main speaker made a comment about Andy Stanley in his megachurch, says that homosexual marriage is okay. So I direct messaged him. And he said, I don't believe that. Please correct it. So I, I went up to the head of the conference where I was speaking, told him, he said, well, why don't you correct it on, on um, when you speak next? Because everyone was there for all the sessions. So I did immediately. And then I got on radio and stated it with, with Pastor Stanley's full approval. In fact, he reaffirmed that when he was on radio with me a few months back. So when he first made comments about Christians need to unhitch from the Old Testament, a term that he subsequently said was not the best term to use. But when he made that statement, I was really grieved. And I wrote a long article. No, Pastor Stanley, we should not unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament. And I, it's, it's a longer article than normal. They're normally like 800 to 1,000 words. This was maybe 1,600, 1,800 words. I don't know. But I wrote it probably 20, 30 minutes. I was just so grieved, pouring out of me scripture after scripture. Then I sent it to him. And he took issue with a little bit the way I characterized things I changed that, and he said, hey, go ahead and publish it. It will not affect our relationship negatively. All right, so I want you to know this. If you're in the Bash Pastor Stanley camp, I want you to know about the quality of our interaction and his openness to interact. I think that's very important to know. I've reached out to major ministry leaders and and some of the biggest ministries in the world when I've taken issue. They've reached out to me. Uh, some have said, please don't publish that. We want to fix this privately. Some, one case I flew in and met with uh, numerous of their key leaders and then their top leader would update me on things to say, Hey, if if you're concerned about this, we're dealing with it. And then others uh, I've done my best to interact with. I've done my best to reach out to without success. So I've gone ahead and published and written what I've done, but I've obviously always trying to be fair. So I, I wrote that article And then when the controversies continued and I kept sending Pastor Stanley the latest article bashing his position, he said, hey, why don't I come on the air with you and and let's clear things up. So he subsequently came on the air. We did did an interview. 
You can watch it on our website on Ask Dr. Brown. You can read my article there as well, AskDrBrown.org. Dr. Brown interviews Pastor Stanley. We set it up uh, by Skype so you could see each other. So you've got that. Now, others have said, well, he said one thing on your show, but he said other things on other shows. And now he's got this article out. So I just now started reading Irresistible. I told him yesterday I would read it. I don't know how soon I'm going to finish it. I'm hoping to read it quick and, and absorb it quickly, read it quickly and absorb it. But I'm, I'm just starting it now. And I'm, I plan to write an article about are the 10 commandments for today, responding to some of what he's written. However, I'll send it to Pastor Stanley first, just say, Hey, do you think I misrepresented you in any way? And I won't make a final assessment until I read irresistible, in which case I'll let Pastor Andy know, and then I'll put things out. Okay. So if someone say, how come you haven't just because we have interaction, that's why because I have the ability to dialogue with him. If I don't have the ability to dialogue with someone and something of major, major concern comes out, I feel I've got to shout out a warning, then I'll do that. Always trying to be fair at the same time. So uh, more to come on all of this and perhaps a follow-up interview with Pastor Stanley. But I, I want you to know in the midst of some disagreements and concerns that are very serious, I have not found a leader, I, I found very few, if any, leaders of his influence as willing to engage, as willing to interact, as happy to get on the phone and talk as, as Pastor Stanley. So I, I want to say that to be honest and fair. And whatever differences I have or will express today are all in that context. All right, before I, I weigh in, Let's let's go to the phones and we'll take our first call, Jared in Arizona. So, what's your take, sir, on this Ten Commandments issue? Hey, Doctor Brown, thank you so much. Um, so, my understanding is that those of us in Christ are walking in the fulfillment of Moses, you know, the Old Testament, because Jesus fulfilled that. So, the way I see and understand the Ten Commandment issue is that because of Jesus's fulfillment we no longer have to abide in anything under Moses regarding the Ten Commandments. But our challenge as Christians is to abide in Christ, you know, maintaining the Holy Ghost and making sure that we're walking, you know, circumspectly before God according to our relationship with Him. So in some aspect, I would agree with Andy Stanley saying that the Ten Commandments don't apply to us because us in Christ have fulfilled those Ten Commandments because He has fulfilled them. But there is you know, the requirement for us to keep holy our relationship with God. And one way to know God better is to understand what the Old Testament says about his character. All right. So, so, so to, right. So it's not a black and white yes or no issue that you dismiss with Pastor Stanley saying or totally affirm it. You, you're nuancing your statement. Let me just ask you this really quickly. In essence, yes since there's a command not to commit adultery, which is then repeated by Jesus and by Paul and elsewhere in the New Testament. In essence, how is it any different? In other words, abiding in Christ and therefore fulfilling the law by our walking in the Spirit and obedience to Him versus there's a commandment not to do it and therefore I don't do it. So in, in terms of actual practice in life, is it, is it discernible in terms of a difference? 
that's a wonderful question. I wish more Christians would ask that question, because if we are to keep holy our relationship with God, the Holy Ghost, inside of us, you know, he's the one who takes our spirit to heaven when we pass away. We need to understand what he's called us to do and what he wants for us to do. And, and we had the writings in the New Testament, as you referenced. Paul talks about adultery and those things that God finds unholy. And we do have reference to when God was the leader over the, the, you know, the nation of Israel, what he called them to be. So we have a, a firm understanding of how God wants us to live in this world. And, and when we live according to how he, the precepts that he's laid out for us, then we'll do well. And if we keep holding our relationship with him, we'll excel as Christians. We'll be able to carry on the message and, and break bread with those you know, Gentiles and other nations that never heard them. Got it. All right. Hey, Jared, thanks for getting us started. May the Lord bless you. Appreciate the comments. And we shall continue. We are just getting this conversation started. It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this historic day on The Line of Fire. You say, why is it historic? Well, it's, it's January 14th of 2019. You say, but, but why is that historic? Well, it's 114 the way we do calendar in America, month first, then day of the month. In, say, UK and other parts of the world, it's, it's the reverse. But 114, so I always think of John 114, and, and the Word became flesh and tabernacle among us. We beheld His glory, the glories of the one and only of the Father, full of grace and truth. So it's, it's a wonderful Scripture day. But, but, January 14, 1997, was the first day of Brownsville Revival School of Ministry which then four years later became Fire School of Ministry, also starting on a January 14th. But, but on that same day, January 14th, 2001, our first grandchild was born. Eliana, amazing, turned 18 years old today. And as, as I was driving up to our offices, I was thinking, you can have a full and rich and blessed life, never be married, never have sons, daughters, so never have kids, never have grandkids. You can have a full and blessed life in Jesus, even while battling sickness and even in the midst of financial hardship. So, so those things are true. Jesus truly is enough and God's grace truly is sufficient. At the same time, I'm overwhelmingly thankful that in my life in the Lord, I've been blessed with an amazing wife. We celebrate 43 years of marriage, God willing, in March. I said, God willing, not that our marriage was together, but it's just future. So I always say that for anything future. We celebrate 43 years of marriage in March, two wonderful daughters, then two wonderful sons-in-laws, then four wonderful grandchildren. A lot of people don't get to see that, experience that. So I'm deeply, deeply blessed. On Friday night, this past Friday, I debated Dr. Dale Tuggy, philosophy professor Dr. Dale Tuggy on the subject, is the father alone the true God according to the Bible? 
we will have a video, a quality video up of that as soon as we get it from the folks that filmed it uh, on Dr. Tuggy's team. Uh, you can watch the live stream already that was posted on our Facebook page on Ask Dr. Brown. And there's a quality audio link as well that I tweeted out if you'd like to listen to the debate. Uh, but we should have a quality video debate online as well or available on DVD. But tomorrow is Biblical Unitarian call-in day. Now, I don't, I don't believe they're, they're biblical in their stance. So if that's your view, you know I don't agree with you. But tomorrow, unless there's breaking news that I have to cover, tomorrow is your call-in day. If you are on Dr. Tuggy's side, if you believe the Father alone is God and Jesus is not or the Son is not eternal deity, then tomorrow's your day to call in. Or perhaps if you agree with me but have a, a question, call. But it's first and foremost for those who differ with me. All right? My, my goal is not to mock you. My goal is not to insult you. My goal is not to demean you. If we differ, we'll differ honestly and plainly and clearly. All right? So tomorrow, noted, I've asked Dr. Tuggy to get the word out. It's not for him to call in. We've had our, we've had our debate. Uh, but this is, this is for you to call in, all right? So I'm, I'm doing it with, with an open heart. In other words, I'm not doing this to bash or to set you up to humiliate you. I'm doing this to give you an opportunity to differ with me and to raise your question, all right? You won't be able to give a 10-minute lecture or anything like that. We don't, we don't have a setup that's fair to every caller. Otherwise, we'd be in like 30 hours a day little hyperbole, but we'll do our best to take as many calls and answer as many questions as you have. Okay. And if you, and if you, if you're in Dr. Tuggy's camp and you watch the debate or listen to the debate, want to raise an issue with me? Great. Great. Okay. So 866-34-TRUTH. Andy Stanley, Pastor Andy Stanley, with whom I'm in ongoing interaction and just started reading his irresistible book as I promised I would, after which I can make more full comments. January 7th, Relevant Magazine, he asked, why do Christians want to post the Ten Commandments and not the Sermon on the Mount? And an obvious answer would be, well, Ten Commandments are short. The Sermon on the Mount is long. But this is what he says. You've heard the story before. A group of Christians puts up a monument of the Ten Commandments in a public space or on government property. Someone says it violates the separation of church and state. The Christians say taking it down would violate their freedom of speech. There's some back and forth in court, and both sides say some not gross, great not so great things about the other, rinse and repeat. But how many times have you seen Christians trying to post the text of the Sermon on the Mount in a public place or the all-encompassing commandment Jesus gave us? John 13, 34, a new commandment, I give you love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. The one commandment doesn't have the same ring to it, does it? But if we're going to create a monument to stand as a testament to our faith, shouldn't it at least be a monument of something that actually applies to us? Hear me out. He says the Ten Commandments are from the Old Covenant, the Ten Commandments played a significant role in God's creation of the nation of Israel. It gave them moral guidelines and helped separate this new nation from their neighbors. This was part of the formal agreement or covenant God created with his people, but Jesus' death and resurrection signaled the end of that covenant and all the rules and regulations associated with it. Jesus didn't issue his new command as an additional commandment to the existing list of commands. He didn't say, here's the 614th law. Jesus issued his new commandment as a replacement for everything in the existing list, including the Big Ten, just as this new covenant replaced the old covenant, Jesus' new commandment replaced all the old commandments. Okay, now, again, I'm in ongoing interaction with Pastor Stanley. I'm in ongoing interaction with him. 
reading his Irresistible book. And so he knows where I'm differing. And as I, as I write something, I'm sending it to him first. And I, I linked him on Twitter to say that we're talking about this today. All right. So I'm only going to say limited things and then I'm going to take your calls. All right. 866-34-TRUTH. Number one, I, I categorically differ with the idea that the new commandment replaces all the old commandments. I, I totally differ with that. Now, again, I'm going to read his whole book to see if there's anything more nuanced than that he says in the book, but just responding to the article, I categorically differ with him there. That's number one. Number two, I think it was the last thing in the disciples' mind when they heard this that they thought, oh, so Sabbath law doesn't apply anymore, for example. I think it was the last thing in their minds. And certainly no one's thinking, oh, I can go commit adultery now, which, of course, Pastor Stanley's not saying either. Rather, through the new covenant, the moral commandments are written on our hearts. And, and that's why Paul can quote from the Ten Commandments in Ephesians 6 and say, children, honor your parents, obey your parents. This is the first commandment with promise, honor your father and mother. So, so Paul quotes this in a New Testament context. So I, I, I differ strongly with the way things are being expressed here. Now, here's what I think is very positive. Pastor Stanley says the Sermon on the Mount is for today, which takes the adultery prohibition to a higher level and internalizes it as well and takes other commandments to a higher level. A whole lot easier to keep a lot of the Old Testament laws and to follow the Sermon on the Mount, which requires supernatural grace to do even more than the grace that was needed to obey the Old Testament commandments. To go to a temple to offer sacrifice is not a hard thing to do. To keep certain ritual purity laws, it may be a lot to learn, but it's not a hard thing to do. To, to live a holy life on the inside, first and foremost, that's challenging and requires supernatural grace. And one of the Ten Commandments starts there. Don't covet. That's it's internal. Yeah. So, so Jesus is taking that and just deepening the application and other commandments. So there are hyper-grace teachers, tragically, one of the very, very worst, serious, serious errors of the hyper-grace camp is that it says the Sermon on the Mount and the teachings of Jesus before the cross do not apply to Christians today. That's dangerous. That's serious error. That's ugly error. That, that is misleading error. That is damaging error. That is error that can lead to the destruction of someone's life in God. Yes, it can. Jesus said we make disciples by teaching them to observe everything he commanded us, the Greek indicating everything he previously commanded us. This is serious, serious error. And, and Jesus says in, in John 15, so Matthew 28, 19, 20, I just quoted, Jesus says in John 15, 7, that we are to abide in him and his words in us. And then... We ask what we will, and it'll be given because we're in harmony with God. Jesus says in John 14, 26, the Spirit will remind the apostles of, and us by extension, of the words that he spoke. Matthew 24, 35, Jesus says that heaven and earth will pass away, but his words will never pass away. So, amen. Let's preach the Sermon on the Mount. Pastor Stanley, preach the Sermon on the Mount. Let's do it. Let's go through it and challenge believers to live the impossible life that God calls us to live only by his grace and empowerment. Absolutely. Let, let's do it. Let's preach his absolute lordship. Let's, let's warn. Let, 
let us warn about the consequences of scorning his words. Yes, 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 yes. In fact, I may start there. Yes, Pastor Stanley, let's preach the Sermon on the Mount. Maybe I'll start there in my next article. But having said that, if you just say the Ten of course the Ten Commandments apply to today, then obviously the question is, what about the Sabbath? What about the Sabbath? So uh, David con- uh, commented on Facebook. He said, yes, though the Sabbath day has changed for Christians from Saturday to Sunday, the day Jesus rose from the dead. So yes, we keep the Sabbath, but it's changed. Huh. And, and here's, here's the way folks have voted thus far on my Twitter feed. So at, this, this is how they voted so far in my poll. Does the Sabbath apply? Since the Sabbath command is one of the Ten Commandments, do you believe it? Ten Commandments, do you believe it applies to Christians today? So 14% said yes on Saturday, even though the Sabbath commandment is the seventh day. That's Saturday. So the ten, they're saying it applies, but in a modified way. 25% said yes on Sunday, although there's literally no scriptural support for this, and this is really more an, an edict of the Catholic Church. And, and, and then 39% said yes, it applies, but only spiritually. In other words, that we find rest in Christ. And then 22% said no. All that to say that Pastor Stanley's comment, as controversial as it was, and as much as I take issue with much of what he said and the way he said it, has more support when it comes to the Sabbath than it might seem evident. So are the Ten Commandments relevant, but in a different way? Do they apply, but in a different way? Okay, we come back. Your calls only. We're getting straight to your calls when we come back. 866-34-TRUTH. It's The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on The Line of Fire. All right, your comments now. We start with Aaron in Oregon. What's your take on the Ten Commandments issue? Hi, Dr. Brown. Thanks for taking my call. Um, so my understanding of my relationship with the Ten Commandments as a born-again believer in Jesus Christ is that um, I am not obligated to obey the Seventh-day Sabbath as an Israelite would have been uh, for a couple different reasons that I'll try and go over uh, briefly, which is that... Um, so Sabbath was commanded to Israelites. Um, so that's the that's the first reason. The second reason being that um, it was a what I believe is that it's a, it was a ceremonial law because, mm-hmm. like for example, if a child was right, born yeah, but, and but, they're yeah, eight hey, days later, yeah, Aaron, Sabbath, yeah, let, let me just jump in. Oh, oh, uh, there's a lot we could say, and hopefully we'll resume this discussion further in the future. Uh, on, on Sabbath, we, we've discussed this many times. So I know you have a lot to say, and I, I hate to do this because I'm asking for input, but in short, would you say that a, the same thing, sir, about the other nine commandments that you say about the 
the Sabbath, or is the Sabbath command different because it was specifically given to Israel only? So what separates the other nine commandments from the Sabbath is that they're all moral commands that Jesus repeated. Okay. All right, so so that would so you would say the when Pastor Stanley says the Ten Commandments don't apply to Christians, in a nutshell, what would you say to that? I would say that um, I do not agree with his position in the sense that I do believe that nine of the Ten Commandments were repeated by Jesus Christ as commandments to us in the New Testament. Got it. Hey, I, I, I know you have more to say, but I was hoping you could say things concisely and clearly, which you did. Exactly the input I was asking for. Thank you very much for the call. And, and we'll, we'll talk more about Sabbath specifically in the future. But thank you. 866-34-TRUTH. Let us go to Ted in Washington. Welcome to the line of fire. So what's, what's your take? Hi there. Uh, my take is that terms need to be defined. When you're talking about the law, you mean one thing. And, and when you uh, talk about race, you mean one thing. The New Testament doctrine defines who's under the law, who the law was given to, who's not under the law, what Christ did to free us from the curse of the law. The law was nailed to the cross. Uh, we're dead to the law through the body of Christ so that we might live for another. Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature things the law requires. They are a law unto themselves. Got it. All right. So, so just in short then. Yeah, yeah. So just your. About the new nature. Right, right, right. And so the in, in short. of the heart and conscience. Right, right. Uh, understood. All good points, very important points, and I appreciate your thought into the, into this question. So in short, do you agree with Pastor Stanley's statement that the Ten Commandments do not apply to Christians today, or would you prefer to state that differently? I would state it differently. I, I want to avoid yeah. black and white thinking with undefined categories. Got it. Uh, okay. Whatever the law says, it says, to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be silent. All right. Anyone who's this... under the law, the law applies to them. Right. So, so all right. So, how, how would you how would you state it their then? mouth from boasting? The Ten Commandments apply do not apply to Christians. How would you state it? Uh, whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be silent. All right. That's so the direct we're... quote from the Bible in whatever translation. Got it. All right. And then, so that's Romans 3 and then Romans 8, that by Jesus dying for us, that we now fulfill the righteous requirements of the law. So, but you would say that in the spirit of our new nature. Hey, I appreciate, obviously you've got a, a lot of thought here and I'm, I'm just trying to get to as many for input as I can, but thank you. Thank you for allowing me to pull the answer out of you because I know you could, you could talk about this at great length, having thought about it as much as you have. Uh, 866-34-TRUTH. CJ in Idaho, welcome to the line of fire. Thanks for calling. Thank you for having me. Um, yes, go so, ahead. So your take. I, so my take is not quite black and white. I do want to rush this through this as fast as I can, so if I'm confusing, I am sorry. Um, no, no, but, don't apologize. I'm the one rushing everybody here. <laughs> yeah. um, so it seems to me that the question kind of is, is not straightforward. So, for example, there is a lot of laws that don't seem to 
like Romans 14.5, for example, let every man be convinced in his own mind. That's referencing specifically the Sabbath. So the Sabbath clearly is told that, you know, we can worship with every day we feel like in the New Testament. But I have always found a certain level of hypocrisy with people who would say, for example, you shouldn't get tattoos as a Christian. Mm-hmm. And then they'll say, oh, but this Old Testament law, which clearly has more gravitas than Leviticus 19.28, you shouldn't follow. That's not applying to us. Right, I always right. found that to right. be right. Di- di- dietary laws because I like shrimp, but I don't like tattoos, so we don't follow. That. <laughs> I I understand yeah. where there can be at least exactly. maybe not hypocrisy as much as inconsistency. So in in short, if I said to you, do you more agree or more disagree with Pastor Stanley's comment that the Ten Commandments don't apply to Christians today? Would you say that you more disagree or more agree um i would call myself slightly in the middle and i would quote paul when he says that all things are lawful but not all things edify is adultery lawful well i don't say i mean with that thing i think that when paul says all things are lawful i do think to a certain extent he is talking about christians only and in a weird way i do think there is a level of the sin since it is washed it doesn't really apply. It's a weird thing because I don't want to yeah, sound as if I'm yeah. letting people, you know. Well, yeah, just, just to jump in here, uh, in fairness to the callers also, uh, best way to interpret it, all things are lawful is that he's objecting to, he's responding to their objection. All things are lawful, Paul. Yeah, yeah, but not all things edify. Everything is permitted. That's why it's in quotes in the translation I'm reading from, but not everything is helpful. Everything is permitted, but not everything builds up. So is adultery permitted in the New Covenant? No. Is idolatry permitted in the New Covenant? No. By the way, Romans 14, I believe you can apply to Sabbath issues, but I don't believe he's primarily dealing with that. I, I don't think that was the controversy in as much as other days, but that, that can be debated as well. Hey, thank you for weighing in. Uh, let us go to Clayton in Maryland. Thanks for calling the line of fire. So do you agree with Pastor Stanley or not? No, brother, I don't. The brother is in, he's clearly in error, but, you know, keep him in prayers, you know? And he's in error because? Um, He's in, I mean, he's in error because, number one, I mean, the Ten Commandments definitely, I will say, they definitely do apply for us today. It's our majesty, you know, Yeshua the Messiah, he he kept them, he reinforced them. Mm-hmm. And one of, his, one of the commandments that Yeshua said, he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And since we already know that, you know, Yeshua, as you eloquently say, that, you know, he has a complex unity as, as far as the Father is concerned, these laws are, are, are Yeshua's laws. That's how I see it. So I would apply it to my life and say that they definitely, definitely still hold, um, they Got still it. are important. And you would, I, I, would, I would imagine you keep a Seventh-day Sabbath as well? Yeah, I'm, I'm messianic, by the way. Um, yeah, I, I, and I try yeah, my yeah. best to, you know. Yeah. No, no, got it. From, from your answer, sir, and from referencing Yeshua, I, I took you as being messianic. Thank you. Thank you, Clayton. I'm sure you have much more to say on this as well. I appreciate it. Uh, let me just grab one comment here. Uh, Joan on Facebook, the Ten Commandments are not rocket science. They're to protect love and give us one day a week for family to come together to celebrate loving God and each other. Why is this even a question? Great point. Some would say, why is it a question? Others would say, yeah, but, but look, 
once you say that Sabbath has changed in any way, that it's either not the seventh day or that it's to be observed spiritually, then you've said at least one of the commandments has changed. So just for conversation. Uh, of, of course, I take issue with the way Pastor Stanley said it. That's why we're in dialogue about it. All right, uh, let's go to Brady in Texas. What's your take on Pastor Stanley's comments about the Ten Commandments? Hi, Dr. Brown. Uh, I, I would disagree with him. I would say mm-hmm. they still are relevant today because... Well, uh, he didn't say relevant. Well, he, he said apply, but but go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, well, uh, apply for today because yeah. Jesus told us he didn't come to do away with the law. He came to fulfill it. And mm-hmm. even though we're not under the law, um, I believe that's still a, a moral law, and I still believe each commandment applies because... I mean, even when breaking one, that's still sin, and sin still applies to us today and, and is applicable. And that's how we, you know, we get our morals, and, and God's very clear on it. You know, He's not going to give us Ten Commands and then, you know, change anything or just do away with what He said. Got it. So, so what do you do with the, the Sabbath commandment? How do you live that out? Uh, well, I, I would say I still believe it applies uh, for Saturday because I know people, I think they bring up Colossians, how— like, don't let anyone judge you from a holy day, and it talks about, like, right. the new moon, and then, then it says Sabbath days. But I think with Sabbath days, uh, there was, like, a year one, like, work six years, then the seventh year, then there was, like, the month. So I don't think it's referring yeah. to the specific commandment day. Yeah. I, by, by the way, Brady, I, I would I would differ with you on that, especially when it says that the, the shadow is in the Sabbath, the, the substance is in the Messiah. Uh, but— you could still say he was saying, just don't let anyone put you under pressure as a Gentile, as opposed to, you can't do it. But that's, that's another discussion. Obviously, you've thought about it. Uh, Jack in Texas can't get your call, but you wanted to support what Pastor Stanley said. Anyway, we'll continue this discussion. Look for my relevant article on this the next day or two. And tomorrow, if you're a follower of Dr. Dale Tuggy or in his camp, consider yourself a biblical Unitarian. Tomorrow's your day to call in with questions and issues for me. God bless.